I'm very pleased to be joined by a friend of mine, Brad Bardko. He's a financial planner right now. Uh, so you might be wondering what that has to do with industrial real estate. But we actually get into that a little bit later because uh, Brad was born with cerebral palsy and he's been confined for a wheelchair for, for a good part of his life. And I wanted to get his story, not just on how he's become a business owner and a successful business owner at that, but to dive a little bit deeper into his very positive mentality, but also have a bit of an uncomfortable conversation about the struggles that he's had going in and out of buildings uh, with the, with his disability, a, a delicate situation, because I really like Brad. He's, he's, he's one of the, one of the most amazing people I've ever met and he's super positive. And I, I told him beforehand, it's, it's uncomfortable for me having to get you to speak negatively about these these topics but i think that that there needs to be a voice for it and to hear from someone that has a disability how difficult it is to sometimes navigate getting into commercial property so uh, it, it's a long interview uh, but he, his story is unbelievable i've i've never met someone that has the integrity the uh, the drive the hustle the resiliency as as brad does now, he's a phenomenal human being and and I, I really hope that you get a sense of his passion uh, as we go through this interview uh, let's let's jump into it Hey, Brad, thanks so much for joining me on the show. Hey, man, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for having me. It's an honor and a, a privilege to be here. And uh, I'm excited to, to be able to, to jump on the platform and, and share some, some great, hopefully some great knowledge. And it's going to be great. Yeah, likewise. I'm, I'm happy to have you on here as well. Last time we got to hang out, it was in person. And I don't know about you, but I quite enjoy hanging out in person a lot more than, than these video conference calls. But uh, nonetheless, I always value the time we get to spend together. If it's on a virtual call, I'll take it. So th thanks again for being here, man. Uh, absolutely. And, and me, me too. I'm, I'm an in-person guy as well. But obviously, with uh, with the state of the state of the world that's that is in right now, it's this is the next best thing. So here we are. Yeah, we'll make the best of it. Hey? For sure. We always do. Uh, so I know you're a huge sports fan. I mean, everyone can see that just from the Elway jersey, the Gretzky jersey, your Maple uh, Blue Jays hat that you were just got from being at a Blue Jays game. Yeah, What's yeah. What, what got you so into sports? Man, it goes it goes all the way back. I think I think it starts as soon as I popped out of the womb. You know, it's, um, from my, my dad to... To my my grandfather who who you know late passed passed away and I just I remember just moments whether it was going to games um you know growing up I didn't get to go to a lot of, of live games just because they they were expensive and stuff but we, they, it was the treat we did get to go and but I, I the the memories I remember is 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 sitting around you know the uh, with my grandfather and he'd put the TV on mute. So we'd watch it on TV on CBC, Hawking in Canada, and just sit there and listen to the, the, the uh, late voice of the Oilers, Rod Phillips. Um, yeah. We'd sit there and just, just listen to hockey and listen to games. And whether it was, whether it was hockey, we, you know, my dad got me into baseball and watching the, you know, the Blue Jays. I, I wasn't around when the Expos were there. So, you know, the Blue Jays are Canada's team in, in my eyes. It'd be nice to have another team in Canada. And then, and then of course, you know, the Oilers and, and, and for me, it was the Eskimos or the Elks now. Um, I, and then I, I think I kind of grew my own passion for uh, the NFL because my, my family's not a huge NFL fan. So I, I had to kind of find my way. I love college sports too. So really you, you name a sport, man, I'm, I'm, I'm into it. We, 
we uh, I, I've been watching golf now, you know, and NASCAR and F1 and, and all this stuff and, and you name it. And uh, I got a bucket list and and uh, it's fun. And I, I it's it for me, it, I it's a way for me to to for disconnect with, you know, if I'm having a bad day, good day, whatever, and I can just disconnect and turn on the TV or go to a, you know, hopefully this year, go to a hockey game or go to a baseball game, whatever it may be. And just for three, four hours, forget about whatever the hell is going on Mm -hmm. and just, you know, live in that moment and and, and be there. And, uh, you know, especially with whatever's going on now, it's really a a great outlet for me um, to do that. And for also another, I call it sports, but a lot of people don't, you know, think of it as sports, but, I'm a huge wrestling fan too. And I, I get lots of hate for it because it's like, oh, wrestling is not real. It's fake, blah, blah, blah. It's entertainment. Yeah, but I, I love it. And and for me, it goes back to, um, you know, sitting around with my dad, you know, watching, you know, watching the Hulk Hogan and, and Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock and all these guys. And I just, I fell in love with it and it carried with me. So, I mean, it's something sports will, will never die in me. I've always, my wife makes a joke every day that, She's going to have to bury me and all my memorabilia and all my jerseys when, when I pass on, but, uh, but it's, it's a huge part of who I am and, and I love it. And you're so right. It, it just is that entertaining factor where you do get yeah. to forget about anything going on in the day and you, you're just there to be entertained. So I, I agree with you, whether it's, yeah. whether it's wrestling, whether it's sports, whether it's someone that enjoys going to the opera or plays, it's just finding something that you, you really enjoy doing and uh, screw the haters, man. Anyone making fun of you for like in wrestling, I'm, I'm, I'm all for wrestling too. Uh, I don't watch it as much as I did when I was a kid, but uh, I, I like the ultimate warrior and uh yeah, yeah. this i think it was the spike brothers i don't remember it offhand but I was, I was a big wrestling fan when i was younger too so i can appreciate that yeah it, it's definitely evolved it's it's not what it used to be back in the night like i was born in 93 so back in the 90s for me um or you know back in the 80s i guess for for you or, or anybody listening but it, it's still that entertainment factor that makes me flipping on every monday wednesday and and friday that i can i can sit there for an hour and just forget about whatever i mean there's so many people i mean you you would contest this too i mean we're both business owners we're both in that world where a lot of it can be business 24 7 7 days a week you with a family young kids you got to have that 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 no i can't be business 24 7 i need to be you know these are my business hours these are my family hours and then these are my my personal hours and and for me, I like to carve that out, you know, an hour or a couple hours, even a day and just shut off. Hey, my business is closed from, it doesn't matter if it's from six to six to nine or from, you know, whatever hours it may be. And, and I sometimes get hit for it. Well, Brad, you need to be in business and business mode. But for me, that, that doesn't get me going. Yes, it pays my bills. Yes, I get to help people. Yes, I'm making an impact. Yes, it gets me going in that realm but I still need that outlet and I still need that break. And for me, uh, sports is that great opportunity. I agree, man. Uh, so going to that comment, 1993, you were born. Uh, I, I know your story quite well as your buddy, but for yeah. people that don't know your story, take me back to 1993 and, and bring it all the way to today. Yeah, I'll, I'll take you all the way back to 1993. As I tell people, uh, you know, it's crazy. My mom, 16 years old in 1993, had no idea she was pregnant. I thought she was going in for an appendix surgery, um, you know, actually was going to a birthday party and had some pain. So they sent her to the hospital 
and found out that she was pregnant with me. Um, you know, very premature. I was supposed to be born in, in September, October. Uh, I was actually, I came out in June. Um, as soon as they found out she was pregnant, we had to get me out ASAP, ASAP, emergency surgery, all this stuff. And uh, I popped out, I'll pop me. And I like to paint the picture. I get people to hold up their palm if they're listening, watching, whatever. And the, my, my head was at the tip of your middle finger and my feet could barely touch the bottom of your palm. That's how small I was. Um, right away, they put me in an incubator. I wasn't breathing on my own. I came out in a dry ambiotic sack. Um, I'm not a woman. I, I'm not going to get, you know, terminology or whatever. But I, I came out in a dry ambiotic sack, which means there's no food in there. So I, I basically wasn't alive, for lack of better terms. Um, so they put me in an incubator, hooked me up to all these tubes. I had one fully developed lung, one not developed uh, much at all. And doctors walked in to my parents and said, you better kiss your boy goodbye because he won't make it 24 hours. Wow. Uh, and and I, I, always, I, I always tell my parents that I, I remember doctors saying that. Now, do I actually remember? I don't know. But, <laughs> but I remember them saying something. And that's where the warrior mentality came from. That's where the fighting spirit came from very early on. Is, and, and that's why I'm here for a reason. You know, I, I look... Uh, the running joke nowadays is I look pretty good for 28 years dead, you know, <laughs> just, uh, just here trying to try to make an impact and try and change the world. But um, they didn't diagnose me until I was two years old. Uh, they found out I had, I had cerebral palsy. Um, they also found out I had a cyst on my brain, a very fragile part of the brain. Um, so they can't remove it. Um, it. It was, it's inactive since I was born. So it did bleed a little bit when I was born. I hasn't bled since, thank God, knock on wood, um, because I always call that, that's an inactive volcano. So the spot that's on, as soon as that erupts, well, I, I'm gone. This could be the last conversation I ever have. I wouldn't even know about it because I'll hit the floor and, and, and be over. That's, that's how fast and how quick things can change. So you know, growing up, my, I'm very thankful. My parents never treated me any different. My parents never sheltered me from anything. Uh, they always just taught me to be myself and, and be me, and, and I was going to be okay. I was going to, you know, pave my own way. Uh, don't let anybody put me in this box, in this, in this, you know, square that people like to do nowadays because of, you know, the world and, and whatever. But I, I wanted to, I was always an out-of-the-box thinker. I was always a, a big dreamer. I was always a big, I, I want, I knew I wanted to do big things early on, and uh, we go back to back to the sports. People always ask me, well, Brad, what did you want to be when you grew up? And a lot of people say, you know, astronaut, firefighter, all this, all these things. And and we and we allow kids to dream. We allow kids to be that. We allow, and then when they get older, well, you tend to shit on your dreams or and you're like, oh, you can't be that. That's impossible. Or the because your job, the, the money you make dictates what you can and cannot do. For me, I didn't want to do that. So very early on, I wanted to be involved in sports. Uh, we just talked about my love for sports. I wanted to be the first broadcaster in a wheelchair to call an NHL hockey game. To me, that was that was a dream very early on. I heard Rod Phillips. I heard, you know, Don Cherry, Ron McQueen, all these guys growing up. And I'm like, that's what I want to be. Um, so, and it never wavered. It never stopped from two years old on. You know, I even before that, I remember... You know, being at my grandparents, they would show these flashcards of numbers and animals and letters and how I would learn and teach 
is I would tell you, hey, number 27, that's George LaRock. I would, I would ring off hockey players, not even just Oilers, but random NHL players, and that's how I learned. It wasn't, oh, that's a horse, that's a, that's a donkey, that's this, that's that. It was, I, I related it all, and that's how I learned my numbers. That's how I learned my letters. It was, it was crazy. So for me, sports wasn't like bread in me. I, I eat, breathe, and, and ate it, right? And um, so I always wanted to do that and be that. And, and going through all my life, uh, I've had 20-plus surgeries. Uh, you name a surgery, I've done it. Uh, jaw busted. Doctors did it. I didn't do it. I had a really bad overbite due to the disability. Uh, my jaw was, I, I can fit two full fingers in between the gap of my teeth. That's how bad it was. Uh, so they broke it, brought it forward. It allowed me to chew better. So I wasn't choking. Um, it, it allowed me to breathe properly and, and a little bit better. So it just helped my, my quality of life. I've had both legs broken and reconstructed. And I'm sure I'll talk about that as we get going because that was a huge um, turning point in my life. It was that big surgery. And that was a, that was the last big one that I've had. Uh, but, but growing up, I, I remember that nobody t- tr- treated me any different. You know, even my, my peers, we talk about my parents, but my peers, you know, in school, I went to a normal public school. I didn't go to a special school. I, I you know, so I was, I was treated like one of the boys. I was treated like a student. I was, I was treated absolutely normal. Nobody seen me and the wheelchair. I, I was just Brad Barco and nobody else seen me any different. And that's what we wanted. Right. And, uh, so growing up, it was it was great. It was fantastic. And I think a turning point for me, I was probably 12, 13. I can't exactly pinpoint, but I remember being on the wheelchair bus and, and to get in my zone all the time. I, I even do it to this day. Um, I, I would put headphones in and listen to music. Some people listen to audiobooks, podcasts, whatever. I still do that, but music is my outlet. Music is my, my way to just just get away for a minute and, and gather my thoughts. Let me think and away we go. Um, so, so people always ask me when I had my ears, I have 90, 90s hip hop in my ears. So Tupac, Biggie, you know, NWA, all that crazy stuff. And I remember sitting on the bus one time and there was, there was two other people with disabilities on that bus. There was one with CP, uh, um, cerebral palsy. And that's, that's what I was diagnosed with. Sorry, I should have said that at the beginning. That's what I was diagnosed with was cerebral palsy. So severe um, spasticity, mild CP. So what that means is I'm fully coherent. I'm a, I'm an, I, I can feel everything. Everything is operational. I, everything's up here, good. Um, and my muscles are just tighter. So my bones grow faster than my muscles. And, uh, and it just makes everything a little bit more difficult to, to get around, move around, do things on my own, all that stuff. But it's feasible doable so and there's different grades like i have mild cp so i'm kind of at the bottom of the spectrum and then there's severe cp where you're tube fed non-verbal you know all all the other stuff and you're at the you're at the higher end or more riskier top of the spectrum where you're it's 24 7 care you know you're you're always in the kind of the watchful eye of somebody and i remember sitting on the bus and there was a there was a girl with a cp she had severe cp so non-verbal um, it was so bad, tube fed, so bad. She had seizures all the time, multiple times a day. Um, always had to have somebody with her. And so so I, I remember just looking around and there was another girl that had a disability called spina bifida. 
which means it's a spinal cord injury. It affects the its brain, but uh, it affects the spinal cord, and uh, most of the time you can't feel from the waist down. Hmm. Uh, so, so you're wheelchair bound and and all this other stuff. And I remember looking around and watching her and and watching the other girl with CP. And I, I did this for months. I did this for days. I'm listening to music, obviously, but I soaked it in. And I looked around, and and the one common theme, obviously, um, the the one with spinal bifida was very much like me, but not as outgoing. She could speak, all that stuff. Just just wasn't. I don't know. It looked like she didn't love life. Yep. And and I watched her, and she was depressed. She went home the same way. She got on the bus the same way. Didn't smile. Didn't do any of that. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't want to be that way. You know, I don't want to be that way. I want to be someone that that is happy all the time, that's positive, that's that loves life no matter what. You know, these are the cards I was dealt. There's a reason why I I'm in the position I'm in. There's a reason why I'm still here because I was given 24 hours to live. We need to figure out that reason. And it clicked for me. It goes, why can't I be the voice for the voiceless? Why can't I be the voice for the people that maybe can't speak up, won't speak up? And, and, and from that point on, I became this just, I guess, animal, in the lack of better words, that, that just wanted to live a better life and didn't want to fit in that, in that box. And I watched my parents struggle all my life with funding and trying to get wheelchairs and braces and equipment and all this stuff and, you know, doctors and, and whatever else. And, and uh, I remember, you know, I, I got almost every opportunity that I wanted, you know, my parents tried to give me, I, I was able to play a sport called sledge hockey. Mm -hmm. um, I played that for 16 seasons. Uh, I, I represented team Alberta on multiple occasions. Uh, you know, that was, that was fantastic. And I, I met, a, I ended up meeting a really good friend of mine, uh, Matt Cook. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away cancer uh, in, in uh, just before the Vancouver Olympics. Mm -hmm. uh, he made the Canadian team and unfortunately six months before uh, passed away and, and couldn't fulfill the Olympic dream. So he had a dream, him and I together, that he wanted to watch me walk across the stage to receive my diploma. And, and, you know, we, we want, we're going to do whatever we could to make that possible. And at 17, doctors approached me and said, Brad, we want to do a massive surgery. Again, basically the biggest one you've ever done. We've done multiple, but biggest one we've ever done. We want to break your legs, like physically break them and uh, turn them the right way. So when I walked, your knees are supposed to be like this. Okay, when you walk, they're, they're straight. My knees were like this, and they would rub and cause pain and sores and, and all this stuff. It just wasn't, and, and they were bent all the time. So mm -hmm. they'd be bent about 45 degrees. And, and so I was shorter than normal. You know, it, it just made it difficult to walk. So what they were going to do is break them. They were going to put my knees back to where they should be, and they were going to straighten my legs. So I, I, you know, stand taller, walk better, all this stuff. So I said, well, sure. Right. So a six month rehab. I spent six months. The, six months. Wow. I spent, I spent in the hospital um, every day in the pool, um, you know, rehab. We're, we're talking eight, nine hour days of physical therapy. I, it was, it was brutal. It was excruciating. It was painful. It was, you know, everything above it. There was nothing good about it. 
but I knew the outcome. I was going to walk across that stage to receive my diploma. And, and I, I don't take no for an answer very well. So <laughs> I'm very, I'm, you know, there's two things I'm allergic to. It's negativity and it's bullshit. Right? And, and, and it should be the word no as well. But, um, you, you know, it's, so I, I did this surgery, did all, all this rehab, and I finally got the green light to, to go. And uh, it lined up just before my graduation. And nobody knew I was coming except the family and the friends that, that bought tickets and, and they knew I was coming. So there's about 30, or, yeah, there was probably, I want to say in between 15 and 30 people there, I would say. I can't fully remember. It was the last thing. It was really cool because the last thing my grandpa got to see me do before he passed away, unfortunately passed away a year before I got married. So he was able to to be there at least for, for a major milestone and and huge part of my life is if I back up for a minute, um, my stepdad raised me. That's my father. That's my dad. Uh, he really took on kind of the weight of the world at about, you know, my, my real dad decided that I was too much work and walked away. And, and his dad, so my grandpa, the one I just mentioned, also helped raise me and, and shape me into, into who I am. So I owe a lot to that man and, and, and what he did and sacrificed and he served this country and, and all this stuff. So uh, he, he was also a big part of why I kept doing what I do and why I'm doing what I do now. And so I remember getting there, getting to school. Sorry, I, I, as I bounce around a little bit, but I, I, I remember getting to school and I was all ready to go. And I got pulled into the office by the principal, a couple teachers, you know, my, my teacher assistant was back at that point and all this stuff. And they go, Brad, this is unsafe. We don't think you can do this. And we don't think you should do this. I said, no, no, I didn't bust my ass to not do this. I made a promise to myself. I made a promise to my late friend that we would get this done and we would do this. Doctor said it was okay for me to do this. I'm strong enough. We're going to get this done. I had metal from head to toe in my legs. You know, I'm not going to break. I'm okay. Right. So I made a compromise because they were very adamant on me um, that they had a they had a, a little elevator platform to get me to the stage, still backstage with a curtain, nobody would see me. And then I would walk out and do my thing. So I said, okay, sure. So I graduated a big class. So I, I remember, you know, they, they got me up on this ramp early. Nobody saw me, I'm behind this, I'm behind this curtain. And Chad, I'll never forget, I, I still get goosebumps by it, uh, that they, I remember call, they called my name. And there is no greater feeling in the entire world when you walk out on that stage with a walker and 2,000 people, both your peers and their families are standing on their feet, chanting your name. There is no better feeling in the entire world. Hmm. And I, I had to stand there. I pointed up because I knew he was watching. I knew Matt was watching. I pointed up. I stood there for what felt like an eternity, but I've stood there for a few minutes and soaked it in. And I was like, this is, this is what I did this for. Um, and I'm so glad that I didn't let the teachers talk me into not doing it, wheeling out there or doing, doing whatever the case may be that, that we, we, I did it on my terms. I did it my way and, and it felt so good. But for me, that was just a stepping stone to what's to come. Um, uh, you know, it's, I went to college shortly after that, six months after that, I got accepted into radio and TV. So again, fulfilling that dream we talked about, 
But then, Chad, I, I was I was in school. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I'm sitting there in Nate one day, and I'm, I'm looking around, and I'm seeing how much these guys are making. And, and I, I'm seeing them live out of a suitcase and bounce from town to town to town to town to town every six months. Like your Lloyd Minister, Cold Lake, your, and it's not big cities. We're talking blips on the radar here. Just I understand you got to pay your dues and, and, and get to where you need to get to. But for me, living with a disability, it wasn't feasible. I needed to be closer to family in case something happened. I needed to be in a bigger city in case something happened. And I realized that maybe this wasn't a dream anymore. This was just a passion. This was just a hobby that maybe I, maybe I, maybe I served a bigger purpose. Maybe the world was just bigger than me. And, and, and I could make a bigger difference and a bigger impact. And I can impact not only the world and, and normal people, as I call them in quotations, but my community as well. And that being the dis- disability community. Well, five years ago, I, I, I had to get an ankle surgery and I was on crutches for a while and I was in a wheelchair for a bit. And mine was a temporary problem. It was certainly not a disability. It was, it was in an inconvenience, if anything, but I still struggled. I struggled moving around. Stairs are really difficult to navigate. Even a curb is tough if you're pulling up there. But I, I want to get, and the last thing I want to do is make this sound negative because you are the most positive guy I think I've ever met. And I don't want to, I don't want to have to get you complaining about this. Right. But I think that there's also some value in people hearing from somebody that that is confined to a wheelchair, how difficult it can actually be navigating real estate, whether it's a, an apartment building or whether it's a commercial center or retail yeah. or restaurant, just just how difficult it, it, it can be and and how you can overcome that. Yeah, Chad, it's it's enormously difficult. And, and, and you don't really people don't realize until they're either in that situation or they, or they hear it from someone who's dealt with it. And for me, it's been a 28-year battle and a 28-year issue. Um, and, and this is where I come in as being an advocate, you know, for the city and, and, and for really our community. Um, we got to make people aware before we, we, before we make the appropriate changes. And that's, and that's where we're at right now. And um, so it is difficult. Um, look, Edmonton is, is not sunny year-round. We get some snow. And, and that is one of the most difficult times of the year is because when, when snow removers decide to pile all the snow at the end of a sidewalk, well, how do you expect somebody in a wheelchair or somebody in a walker or someone with a cane or whatever the case may be, get up on the sidewalk to get to your establishment? It, it just, it doesn't happen, right? Another big thing is handicap buttons on, on doors. There was a survey brought out uh, just the other day. They asked a woman, um, actually, they asked many, but but the one woman stands out. Um, they asked her what they what she thought the handicap buttons are for. This is a normal person, and never dealt with a you know a disability before, normal human being. And she goes, "Well, those buttons are for when I have groceries full in my hands, I can just kick that button open and the door opens for me." Well, no, those buttons are at that level for people with mobility and disabilities to actually open the door without having to try and struggle with the door because they're heavy, open the door, move back in the chair, like all this stuff, it's very difficult. And not, and I'm gonna be honest, 90% of these doors in Edmonton don't work. Hmm. So that would be step number one is, is upkeeping your, your, 
accessibility features. If you don't have one, get some. It's the 21st century. It's, it's time to become you know, relevant. Uh, let's be honest. Our counterparts to the South, i.e. the States, is about 30, 40 years ahead of Canada in terms of accessibility uh, in, this, in this country. It is atrocious um, being the 21st century, how far we are with technology, you know, all this stuff going on, but we can't make our city and our country more inclusive. We're big inclusive, we're all about inclusiveness and, and one for all and all for one, but, but you can't make it accept. We're the largest minority in the, in the world. Um, I'll give you, I'll, I'll share a couple quick stories with you on, on businesses that weren't accessible. I was at a, I was at a, a bar or restaurant a couple of years ago, paying my bill, asked the waitress if I can use the bathroom. She looked at me and said, our, 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 our washroom is down nine flights or nine stairs. Well, I looked at her, I kind of giggled, I laughed. I said, unless I'm throwing myself down the stairs and you're picking me up, that ain't going to work. We got to figure, like, do you have one or not? I'll go somewhere else. She grabs a manager. Manager comes out, grabs a key, says, follow me. I don't know about you. I don't like stepping over people, trying to run over people. I just want to go about my business. So they take me through an active kitchen, okay? That's their first mistake. There's people going all over the place. There's food being thrown. Like, it, it wasn't good. So I go through the active kitchen, very tight space to begin with. I don't belong in there, clearly. They take me back down this dark hallway. You can tell what, who ha that has never been used in probably years. He, he has to get a flashlight. It's that dark, okay? Flashlight to lead us down this hallway, takes me to this door, unlocks this door, opens the door, turns on the light, and I kid you not, Chad, from ceiling to floor, it is full of wet floor signs, mops, tables, chairs, Everything you name, it was a makeshift storage closet. And on the very back was a toilet. Okay, no grab bars, nothing. So it wasn't even safe. It wasn't even accessible. It wasn't even up to code, none of that. I looked at him. I said, one, how do you want me to get in here? Because I can't even get in the door. Two, how do you want me to get on and off the toilet safely to do my thing? Because you're not going to help me. What's happening? He looks at me. He goes, it is not my problem that we don't get many of you people in our establishment. That is something, Chad, that we need to change. That's a mentality that if your establishment was more accessible, even a little bit, more accessible, bars, bars on the toilet, that maybe that room cleared out a bit, you know, um, so, some grab bars would be a great start, maybe a handicap button on that door, all this stuff, and we would come in, hey, you would have people like me in your establishment all the time. We'd come spend money. We know you're accessible. We know you're catering to, to everybody, not just the, you know, the demographic you're trying to cater to. You know, it's crazy to me, 44%, this is a Canadian stat, 44% of people with disabilities live below the poverty line. One in three people will experience a disability in their lifetime, whether that's permanently or, or for a short period of time. But, and we are the largest minority in the world, but yet we don't want to make changes. Mm -hmm. To me, it is absolutely 
I'm sick to my stomach. And I, I feel I'm born here. I'm a Canadian citizen. I was never asked to be put in this situation. I was put here for a reason. And you want to punish me because I got four wheels strapped in my ass. Doesn't make sense to me. Stuff needs to change. There needs to be a voice. You know, I, I talk to people with disabilities all the time. Well, why don't you want to speak up? Well, if I speak up, I'm going to lose my funding. If I speak up, I'm going to lose this. I'm going to do this. That can't be the case anymore. We need to band together. And, and we need people like you, like normal people. Again, I use that in quotations. Normal people to be our allies, to be there and advocate with us and for us. We can't do this alone. We need people to come together and be like, you know what? Yeah, he's right. Enough is enough. And it's time, it's time to do it the right way. You know, another quick story. I, I, I got married. You know, I, I was young and the government phoned me and said, you can't get married. I said, excuse me? I, I can't get married. They go, yeah, you can't get married. You'll lose your funding. When you turn 18 in this, in this province, they put you on something called H. They give you $1,600 a month. Okay, what's that work out to? 20 plus grand a year, whatever it is. Um, and that's what they tell people with disabilities that they're worth. Some get less, some get a little bit more depending on their disability, severity, all this stuff. That's how crazy the system is. Um, and and I, I said, I said, fuck that. I'm worth more than that. I'm more valuable than that. I'm going to go do my own thing. Hence why I started my own business and, and did my thing. Um, so when I went to get married, they said, well, we're going to cut you off completely or we're going to give you $800 a month to live. To me, that's, that's garbage. Um, so instead of, they didn't like the answers that I gave them. So Chad, here's another thing. They phoned my wife and they asked my wife, and when, when you got married, Chad, because I know you're married, a couple of kids, when you got married, did the government ever phone you before you got married? I can't even imagine you being put in that position. Right. Okay, so here's this. So they phoned my wife and they gave my wife a survey, okay, Chad? This is, these are the questions they asked my wife. Does Brad make you want to drink more? Does Brad make you more depressed? Does being with Brad make you want to do hard drugs? Does being with Brad make you want to think suicidal thoughts? All this stuff. And oh, by the way, you make too much money. If she's in construction, you make too much money that we expect you to quit your job and take care of Brad for the rest of his life. And we're going to cut off his funding. My wife said, so my wife goes to this lady and goes, are you married? She goes, I'm in a long-term relationship. Yes. She goes, did someone in your department phone your wife or phone your husband and ask him all these questions before you did that? Well, no. So what what make what difference does it make for me? I we are not she I, she is not my caregiver. She's not my nurse. She we have a we have a very dynamic where that's my wife or I'm her husband, and that's what she told her. That is my husband. I married him for him. I married him for a reason. We're here. We we're committed to this, and uh, yeah, those are the questions she got asked, and and to me it was. When, when I heard that, when we seen that, we got frustrated, we got upset, clearly. I said, how many other thousands of people are dealing with this on a daily basis? Well, I would say the disability community is lucky to have a guy like you that's that's so informed on these issues and, and so clearly passionate about it. Uh, I, 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 you know that I'm a, I'm a big fan of yours and, and I admire... 
I admire you for your tenacity and for your business acumen, but I think what stands apart is just is your passion to help other people. So I, I think that, that that's a very noble goal. And, and I'm in your corner. I'm, I'm anxious to see what you can accomplish and, and what you do in your life. You know, you've got a fan in me. Uh, just, just wrapping up, uh, because I'm, I'm respectful of your time on this as well. Yeah, if, no worries. No if someone wants to get in, in touch with you, what's, I know you're active on LinkedIn, you're active on Twitter, so I could put links to both of those in the description, but how else can people follow along with you? Yeah. Uh, so Brad Bartko on Facebook, uh, Bartko is B-A-R-T-K-O on Facebook, uh, B Bartko inspires. I just changed it on Instagram. So just my first initial last name inspires on instagram um and like you said broadcasting brand on twitter you'll post the link there uh linkedin i'm, I'm brand new again on linkedin i'm not as active but we're working on that uh, my most active platforms uh, right now are twitter and and facebook as uh, i had a i had an issue with instagram i got hacked um somebody tried to impersonate me and beat me um so so we're, we're, we're working on that to try and clean that up. I think I caught it. I think I got it. Changed passwords, changed names. But uh, yeah, we're, we're, just, we're just here trying, trying to pave the way. And, uh, and hopefully this, hopefully someone listens to this and they're like, yeah, let, let's, go, let's go do that. And uh, it's all about just creating a community and making the world a better place. Well, my friend, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing your journey along that. And, and just as much, I'm looking forward to uh, the next time we can get together and, and grab a drink. Maybe we'll do it over a wrestling uh, uh, night, some one of these nights. Yeah, a- absolutely. I'd be, I'd be honored any, any time. Okay, thanks again, Brad. Really appreciate it, man. You bet, man. Take care. So, t- as you could tell, a tough, tough story to hear at the end because you could, you could hear, hear a little bit of that pain, which is balanced much more so by his positive disposition and his drive to want to conquer his goals and and I believe that he will conquer his goals because he has he is filled with a fire to to do whatever he needs to do to to reach it so I, I'm I'm really thankful uh, Brad if you're watching this back if you've taken the time to do that and I'd also encourage anyone watching this whether you're a, a professional or you're a building owner or you're in real estate in any capacity is to to do an audit of of a, any building that you're involved in to see if it actually is accessible for people with disabilities it, it might be something small uh, small to you but it could have a very profound impact on somebody that does have a disability so uh, I'd encourage you to reach out and connect with Brad just because he is such an amazing and inspiring guy uh, and uh, I, I'm I'm better off knowing Brad and and I'd encourage you to reach out and and follow him on the social media. I'll put links in the description of those as well. And uh, thanks again, Brad. I, I really do appreciate your your passion, your energy, and your desire to just want to make life a better place for everyone. Uh, thanks everyone for watching. Catch you in the next video.